back to the hard line. Enter at your own risk. Is that nobody knows? Baby, get ready. Ooh, ooh. You and me go fishing in the dark. It's hour two of the hard line, 590 The Fan, 105.7 HD2 FM, and inside STL.com. Don't forget, if you missed the show, to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Check us out on Twitter. I'm at Eric Messersmith, at Cam Jensen, 255. No, 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 stop saying that, damn it. You're confusing everybody. It's 25. I made it when I was playing for the Devils. And at TJMO28. That's right. We're supposed to have, we're going to have, and we're about to have Gary Pinkle, TJ's former coach, on, and he joins us now on the Ryan Kelly phone lines. How are you, coach? I'm doing great. How are you doing? We're doing well, Coach. Uh, you down at the Lake of the Ozarks now, or what are you up to? No, I'm sitting in an office in my house. So I'm actually what I'm doing is I was asked to speak. Uh, Coach James' statue is being unveiled in in uh, Seattle uh, this week uh, on Friday. They're playing UCLA on Saturday. I was, I was asked to come and uh, speak at the unveiling of uh, his statue. So um, I'm working on that right now and deeply honored to be invited to do that. Man, you could. I, I'm reading your book right now. You could almost just take uh, the parts of Coach James in your book, and you could. There's probably a, a two or three chapters worth of snippets on him, and and read that out loud because your tribute to him in your book is pretty incredible. Well, you know his uh, the program that I played for. You know, was at Kent State with Lambert, Jack Lambert, Nick Saban. We played there, and um, we won their championship there. And then at Washington, the same programs there. We took it to. Toledo and we brought it to Missouri and that was kind of the that was kind of our message to all the recruits in, in Missouri actually when we got here that I'm not rolling in here we're not rolling in here just trying something out we're, we're, we're rolling here with a program that's worked and that's the story would tell and so he had a remarkable influence on me and he was also a man of high integrity honest caring and uh, you know he was uh, all the virtues that are important he certainly uh, he carried those. So I was looking through my time hop today. Uh, that is a it's, a, it's an application that just shows you this, this happened on this day, this many years ago. So something popped up. <laughs> it was a video seven years ago today and, and somebody had tagged me on Facebook and it was a video of them looking at the last play of that 2010 Oklahoma game reminded me this is the seven year anniversary of that big win, uh, that we were both a part of. And I kind of want to just reminisce about that whole thing. That, season was pretty incredible I, I was looking through our stuff we opened up in the edward jones dome against illinois and got a big win there uh we shut out colorado and then we beat the snot out of texas a&m at a&m and that was kind of the birth of ryan Tannehill because we knocked rod johnson out they benched him after that we go into oklahoma uh the oklahoma game it is college game day at home our 99th homecoming and just a massive game and we beat them 36 to 27 i, I just want to relive that week with you because you had some <laughs> yeah i mean reading your book now i knew about your past but you had some huge wins even i mean at toledo you guys beat penn state when they were a top five team uh, but this has got to be up there with some of your biggest yeah it really was that was a that was a great day you know it was uh we had beat oklahoma for a while we didn't play them every year because the other division but you know we got a chance occasionally but you know came close a couple times but uh, that was kind of a surreal night that's one of those great great nights in the zoo um, as you remember, it was, uh, you know, those night games and, and certainly with game day there and just, uh, and then we start off with a kickoff return for a touchdown. First play, the first play of the game mm-hmm. and the place went absolutely bonkers. Yeah. And, uh, it was, uh, it was one of the, one of the great wins in, in history. 
excuse me, I just write in this thing for <laughs> in in Mizzou Tiger history. I'm writing, I'm in Seattle right now writing all this stuff. For Coach Jim, sorry. <laughs> so, do you remember the lead up to that week? I, I was just talking. I was talking to Andrew Wilson this morning about that. We always, whenever those things pop up, I kind of yeah, him and Braden Burnett. We kind of have a a group text, and I was telling Andrew. Uh, I remember going into that week just thinking, I don't know, we're just going to win. And I know, like, we heard stuff all week. Yeah, okay. Uh, Coach Finkel's never beaten Oklahoma and Texas and the big boys, and it's a good program, but hasn't gotten over the top. And Mizzou's never beaten number one. And college game day's never been there for good reason. You know, you heard all that all week. And I just remember thinking, we got a good team. I mean, this is a really good group. I've I've watched Oklahoma play. I I think we'll beat them. What was your feeling leading up to the week? Well, you know, I always, honestly, when I got here day one, when we, when we were not as near as good as we became, I always felt we had a chance. I never went in a game thinking that we we're going to lose, and that's uh, that's just the way I, I am. Um, I, I thought we had a really good football team, as you all know, and uh, I thought I thought we, you know, we, you know, had certainly had a great chance to win. I didn't feel in any way that our that I had to talk the players into to thinking that, though I didn't. You, you remember in, the, in my book, Hundred Yard Journey, I start out with. I have, I have chapters in there. At the beginning of every chapter, I talk about a big game, and we talked about that game, and, and we, we set the stage for the team meeting that we had, you know, prior to the game, and what I said to the team, and then how the how the uh, the game came out, and that was one of the one of the games we talked about. And on that one, I just I just talked about the respect. That's why I remember talking the whole time about respect. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, people, all these people, pundits out there saying there's no way in the world Missouri can win. They can't do this, can't do that. And uh, we went in there with all the confidence in the world. And, and a lot of guys made a lot of big plays. And, and obviously, in big games, that's what you have to do. I remember that, that talk specifically. And I, and I read that actually uh, last night. I was reading through your book. It's on page 120. And mm-hmm. that speech, and it was one of the shortest speeches that you ever gave us. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my four years there, Sometimes it'd be a 15 minute meeting. I mean, you had stuff you wanted to take us through on mm-hmm. Thursdays. And I think this one was about two minutes. And, and you talk exactly uh, what you put in the book there. And I, I, I just remember the, the final couple of things. And I think we talked about this last time I had you on. It was, men, they don't respect you. They don't respect me. Now let's go kick their ass. And that was it. And that's all we had to hear. <laughs> I, d- I did say that a few times. Don't kick their ass. <laughs> I did have known to say that a little bit, but uh, yeah, we did that. That's what we did. It was kind of, and they provided a little bit of uh, you know, information out there coming from from their uh, their place too. You know, that, that was saying that you could kind of feel the lack of respect, and so we just jumped on it, and uh, it was uh, it was fun, and it was that place was absolutely bonkers, and it was a great environment to be around. It's the hard line here on 590 The Fan. Gary Pinkle, former Mizzou coach, joining us. His book out now. It's called The 100-Year Journey, A Life in Coaching and Battling for the Win, for the win written with Dave Matter. Coach, I know it must be uh, – I'm just curious. What's it like for you watching the Tigers now? Obviously, a lot of these guys are guys that played for you. Where do you usually watch the games, and how into them do you get? Well, I, uh, you know, I'm a little bit better this year than last year. I mean, you're, when you're used to waking up every Saturday morning game day, you know, as head coach for 25 years and coaching for 40, I mean, you just can't, you just can't be a normal person when you get up. So, I mean, that's just, it's just, that's just the way I am. Uh, I walk, I walk in a suite, you know, one of our, uh, uh, Don Walsworth, one of our great, uh, people at Mizzou that, uh, that really helped the university in many, many ways over the years. Um, and uh, I usually go in there, and I kind of sit. People kind of stay away from me. I just kind of sit in the corner. It's a real low-key 
<laughs> um, place where I watch. I just don't. I'm, I just I watch it as a coach, and I just stay focused. And I just you know I down in distance field position, you know watching you know the different things, and 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 so I, that's kind of how I do that. And uh, you know it's uh, it's it, it was really different, really really weird the first year, but this, this past year it's, it's been a little bit easier. Um, and uh, but I find I look forward to it. You know I get real. My my, my wife Missy will tell you I get kind of. A little anxious, you know. I'm kind of a little, you know, temp, not temper. I'm just kind of fragile, believe it or not. But that's, you know, we just it's 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 game day still for me in a lot of ways. And obviously, I want to do the win. So um, it's uh, it's I've enjoyed it. You know, it's uh, it's different, but uh, I, I certainly don't miss it. I mean, I'm glad I'm out of the out of the grind and and feel good about that. I want to go back to the the uh, homecoming game in 2010 for a second. I, I was looking up that roster, coach. I think there was 20 kids on that Oklahoma roster that got drafted. I mean, that was a loaded roster. I know Sam Bradford was gone, so people kind of looked at that and said, well, okay, here's your Heisman winner. Gone, but, I mean, they had Quentin Carter, who started at safety for the Broncos for a long time. DeMarco Murray. They had Donald Stevenson, who's a starter. Kenny Stills, Landry Jones, Trey Millard. That that team was chalked full of athletes. When when you Could you see that on film? I mean, I, I know watching the uh, – the game with you now you see things that i can never see because you've been watching it for so long when you watched that film did you know they were as talented as they were yeah they were you know they were very very talented but you know we just took we took the approach it's it's not about them if you remember that you know we would say it's not about you know you you want to study them it is about studying them looking at any strengths or weaknesses they have they didn't have a lot of weaknesses by position so you were prepared to play but then it's still our whole focus, you know, where it always has been is how we play. You know, we dictate how we play. And uh, and you don't get caught up in that. As a coach, you don't get caught up in that. I think what you do is you try to design, you know, make sure you design play-wise and defensive call-wise things that allow our athletes to be at their best and, and, and have a chance to, you know, compete um, against a team with that caliber of player. But I never really got caught up in that that much. You know, I, you know we're, we're going to play some teams with great team uh, personnel, and that was a team obviously very loaded. But uh, at that night, you know, we, uh, you know, all our guys, you know, I think they upped their game a little bit and, and, and certainly played at a very high level. We did. I was looking at the statistics in that game. Grant Russell made three field goals. Blaine Gabbard threw for over 300 yards. Darrell Jackson went off. And we we ran that shake and bake play on Travis Lewis about 15 times. And, and Darrell Jackson <laughs> just went nuts. Um, you know, I, I was reading in your book. It, it is fascinating watching your growth and how you were able to document it. Because I remember that you have one uh, excerpt in the book where Coach James told you, Gary, you got to coach to win. You, you know, you can't just keep coaching to coach and hope nothing goes wrong. You got to coach to win, and we did against Oklahoma. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to see that that growth because uh, we always did every every time we went into a game. We had a couple fake calls that that Nebraska game uh, from years ago. The, the, you know, I, I know you know which one I'm mm-hmm. talking about. The iconic one where they they pan over to you and, and catch you in a smile for one of the few yeah. times on the field <laughs> after uh, I think it was Martin Rucker that scored and. We always had those, and going into that Oklahoma game, it was fascinating as a player because we could tell you were coaching to win. We weren't doing anything too yeah. different. There wasn't a whole lot going on. It was, no, 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 we're going to go out there. We just whipped Texas A&M, and Oklahoma's just next in line. Yeah, yeah, and that was – and I think coach to win means you're, you're aggressive with your calls. You're not going out there just playing good, solid offensive, defensive football, which is very important. 
but you you go in, you know, creating calls, creating plays that give your players a chance to win the game. And he always felt that if you did that, you know, not, not overdo it, but if you did it enough, and the players kind of when 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 you're when they're working on plays and defenses during the week, and 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 you're going to use them in the game, that gave them confidence that uh, that they could that could help us perform at a very very high level. And there was games you know, remember I mentioned I, you know that we were you know the kicking game's important. How about that one? The kickoff return for touchdowns yeah. came off, and so and 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 throughout make your field goals, do all those different things like that. And, and that's the plan to win. We talked about all those things, and fewer penalties, turnovers, all all the things that had nothing to really do with ability. It all had to do with put it getting on your side. At the end of the game, if all these things were on your side, you dramatically increase your chance of winning, regardless of who you play. So, you know, that was, we talked about every Sunday, but the plan to win and do we achieve those goals, um, fewer mental errors and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, we, we did fakes throughout the years here and there. I probably should have called more fakes because they probably worked. Punch <laughs> and field goals and things like that. But you're, you're, you're really right on that. Uh, you know, DJ, you know, it was, it was, it's, it was, you know, when you when you're calling real conservative offense and defense, real conservative players know that, and they kind of think, well, you know, we worked on all this stuff this week. Where why aren't we using it? And uh, and you know, I think you you grow and you learn from that as a head coach that you pass it down to your coordinators. You know, it's in- incredible when we talk about fundamentals. I I can now watch a game and see some flags or see fumbles and see things and say, well, that's not that's not a well coached team. I mean, when I think about to how fundamentally sound we were. And I remember you hitting on this. We, we showed this in the film on Sunday after this game. Mm-hmm. Alden Smith with that interception. And the interception, mm-hmm. interception in the 58-yard return wasn't the biggest thing. Do you remember what you pointed out? It was how he was holding the ball in, the, in his arm towards the sideline, high and tight. You said, watch that. That's winning football. You didn't really care so much about the interception. Yeah, yeah, he made a play. And, yes, he ran fast on the return. But look how he's holding the football. That's how you win games. Yeah, that- yeah, that was interesting too because that I I used that you know uh, the next shoot the next five years I would show that and we're you know we always talk about protecting the ball like you said all you know and you know there your chances of winning with turnover margin and everything so but you know here here we always talked in our practice if you're a defensive player an offensive player an offensive lineman you know ball you know we you pick a fumble up or a ball you intercept hit comes in your hand whatever I don't care what you do there's there's seven pressure points you apply to that ball and everybody carries the ball all the time, everybody on that football field. And we coach that all the time. And and Alden it jumps up in the middle of, on the one-yard line or goal line and snags the ball high. You know, he's so tall. And he's running down there. And we see the Oklahoma guy in our film. It was great to watch. He was you know, he was going to catch him. That was Kenny you know, he, Stills. He, he Do you back. remember? I mean, he's, uh, yeah. Started, yeah. yeah. And, and he's running down there. He's running down. And I'm sitting there. And I'm, I have the film in my hand. You know, so I'm showing it going back and forth. And I'm telling the team, watch this, watch this, watch this. Because he was coming down for one thing. He didn't care about tackling him. Mm-hmm. He was just going to hatchet that ball and punch that ball out. And he came and he did the exact same thing to, to Alden. And Alden had that ball tucked away, all pressure points on that ball. And uh, those are little things how you lose games, and those are little things how you win games. Yeah, we had three turnovers that game. I don't know if you remember, Jacquees Smith tipped a ball, and Xavier Gooden mm-hmm. came underneath. And and actually, they had only turned the ball over, ball over, I think, five or six times on the whole season. They had three that night. I mean, it was such, it, it was, everything fell into place, but it, it all went back to, it was a well-coached team. A guy got his hands up because he wasn't going to get the sack, tipped the ball, Xavier Gooden came underneath. It was Alden Smith reading, studying, reading that his screen was coming, stepping back, picking it off, and then being fundamentally sound. All those little things came together for that big win. 
and and you could see it on film and and we felt it when we were in practice and playing and and I think that's what got us over the hump to being able to have those big wins um what do you think you know because there was a time when you were coaching that you did you hadn't had one of those big wins yet like like now if you went back into coaching you could say yeah, yeah we beat Kansas when they were number two in the country and we beat Oklahoma when they were number one and I beat Penn State with Toledo and you could go through all your big wins but before you had those big wins what did you turn to to tell your guys hey we can do this and here's how well you know I thought our biggest win you know to, to really it was, it was a state when it was our third year 2003 we played Nebraska hadn't been it for 25 years and you've seen highlights of that game mm-hmm. a little bit too uh, that you know, our, we needed a franchise win. We needed this a third year in our program. You know, we had a lot of struggles early, and and, and building and changing the environment. Uh, but we needed a big win. We just came off a loss to, to KU at their place, and uh, the stadium was packed, and so on and so forth. And what happened in that? You know, and you know, if if you talk about that game also, you you, you talk to your team again about about the opportunities there are to win but that's this might be the best example of of you know play calling and doing the things i think we threw a reverse pass for a touchdown with brad smith Mm -hmm. we threw a fake field goal for a touchdown so you know i told the players before that that we're going to call plays we're going to call defenses to make plays and win the game and I had to say something different than I've been saying the last two years. You know, we had some wins. We're winning four or five games, season, uh, games a year. But we just haven't had the big, big win. And that's the, probably the, one of the best examples of, of, you know, helping our players and, and encouraging our players and for them really feeling that, hey, you know, Coach, you know, we're, he's going to really help us win this game and give us opportunities to win it. And, uh, you know, that gets back a little bit of what we talked about before. Gary Pinkle joining us on the Ryan Kelly phone lines. It's the hard line, 590 The Fan. His book is The 100-Yard Journey. Coach, obviously a nice win for the Tigers the other day on homecoming, but it's been, it's been a struggle so far this year for Coach Odom. I'm curious, does he often reach out to you? Do you guys speak much as this season's gone on? No, not a lot. A lot. You know, I've talked to him a few times. Uh, you know, but, you know, I did. I look back, you know, when I, when I played for or when I, when I worked for Coach James and and then, you know, I became head coach at Toledo and such. I, I didn't call him every week, every two weeks. Hey, coach, this, that, you know, I was trained well. And I also don't want to be hovering on him. So I don't think that's really unusual. I've talked to him probably three or four times, you know, in, in, in this uh, this season. Um, I kind of keep away, you know, and that's kind of what I do. Obviously, I would help in any way I can. But, you know, it's his program, and, you know, he's he's uh, it's not easy winning. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, the, the pressure's staggering and the pressure's – Hard to explain to anybody in this business what's the pressures like being a head football coach in a Power Five team um, or the NFL. Probably they're parallel one another, and um, but I think you know you learn and hopefully uh, we get better. We got a chance to finish, and uh, hopefully we'll, we will do that. Coach, do you see any similarities between some of the struggles that you had to go through to to get to where you were and eventually became a championship winning coach? And where Coach Odom's at right now, I mean, at some point you got to weed some kids out and you have some changes in the coaching staff and all the different things. Is there anything that you see that you could say, oh, yeah, I was there, and here's where he's going to go next? Yeah, a little bit, but the situation was a lot different. I heard a program that had two winning seasons in 17 years. And so it was, it was, you know, it was, you know, quite a bit different, you know. Uh, you know, think about it, two winning seasons in 17 years. Oh, yeah. And, and they're, they're, all, they're all great kids. But the culture was was I mean nobody knew what was going on how to how to win how to do the things you need to do daily, and so that took us you know it was four years of really 
really just attention to detail everything we did. And then after that four years, you know, in the next 11 years, we went to nine bowls. Uh, we won. We had six bowl championships. We had five divisional championships with four championship games. And, uh, you know, I think we're nationally ranked in the top five twice and, and four, three or four other times in the top 25. And, and so that was, that was our story then, just a little bit different situation. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of the day, you know, that, that, I keep saying this, the play on that worked at Kent State, that worked at Washington, that worked at Toledo, worked at Missouri, when everybody told me, that's what the, the book's a lot about, is, you know, kind of, you know, going above and beyond what other people say and do. And, and, and you can accomplish great things if you, if you get everybody together, working together as a team. You know, at the end of the day, uh, that's what happened. You know, you talk about life lessons and things in your book. It really is a great book. If you guys have not, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it. I know it's a lot of, a lot of bookstores. I saw it last night. I was at Barnes & Noble. It is uh, Gary Pinkle and the 100-Yard Journey, A Life in Coaching and Battling for the Win. Uh, one, one of the things you talk about in in that book, and that I've never forgotten, it, it, it's interesting, you, you talk about, you know, we, we had to teach them lessons and teach them discipline that will carry them through their life. One of the things you always mm-hmm. used to say I think about it all the time, actually, and, and what it was was, guys, whenever it seems hard, bear down and keep fighting because you never know when greatness is right around the corner. Greatness is around the corner. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I said that a lot. I mean, you said it like crazy, and I remember that now, and it's, you know, you just have those things you, you talk about. Coach James always said it to you. You said it to us so frequently that it's whenever we're going through a hard time, hey, bear down, keep working, trust your process, go back to your principles, and you never know when greatness is right around the corner. And that's kind of what I hold on to with this Missouri team. Yeah, it might not be this year, but if if they are going by a lot of the principles and disciplines uh, that we had with you, then it's going to work. Yeah, you know, that's that's really something because you're, you're, you're right. I mean, that, I, that happened often to me. And uh, and that's, that, that's just staying the course. That's, you know, what we're doing works as long as we're putting the effort into it, as long as, you know, the whole team is. And that's really the cultural part of it that you don't really, you know, that you got to make sure that gets, you know, that the right people are running the team. And, and, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you believe in what you do and, uh, uh, you know, you can, you, you can, you just never know when greatness is around the corner. And mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of examples in the book when, when, when that happened. And, uh, it, you know, it's for example, in 2011, 2012, our first losing season in seven years. Mm-hmm. And if anybody would have told me at the end of that season, hey, you're going to win 23 games in the next two years, <laughs> I think I'd have punched them. You know? <laughs> but that was another thing, you know. Yep. You never. I remember being at the banquet. And I, I think I talk about it in the book being at the banquet in 2012 and telling all the players coming back, okay, okay, you know, that, well, this is what we got to do. This is what we're going to do. And uh, and and you know, and I told them the story about that at that time. You know, you never know when greatness is around the corner. And you know. Two divisional championships later, and win a lot of games, and and um, that's staying the course. That's being smart, and that's also believing in what you're doing. Coach, how are you enjoying your, your role with the university now? And and we'd be remiss if we didn't ask, how's your health? Oh, uh, my I, my cancer is still in remission. Um, right. and, uh, I feel very blessed and fortunate that I I went to Mayo about a month ago, and I go I go every six months. There are ninety time ninety nine types of lymphoma. Uh, my, my oncologist tells me that I'll eventually, you know, I'll eventually have treatment again for a second time. It's going to happen. You know, hopefully it's going to be a long time before it happens, but you never know. And, uh, so health wise, I'm doing good. And, and to all those out there battling, I say this all the time, talk about the cancer because I'm on the team, you know, 
And so all those people that are out there battle that have, you know, even more serious cancers than I have, just uh, keep uh, keep battling, stay positive, and, you know, and we're all touched by somebody. Everybody is touched by somebody that has cancer. And, uh, you know, encourage them and help them. And it's amazing what they can do now, you know, science-wise, and hopefully that will continue to get better. The uh, I remember you, you talked about this. Every time we got we would start to get down on ourselves a little bit, and you talk about this in the book, you would tell us about your sister. I imagine that is mm-hmm. helping you now when you talk about somebody who basically lost use of their legs and, and spent their life in a wheelchair, and you never heard her complain one time your whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting part of my family. I grew up in Akron, Ohio, and we talk about this in the book, and and my brother and sister had a disease called hereditary spastic paraplegia. And my sister's three years older than me. She lives in Columbia now, her and her husband, as a matter of fact, from Ohio. And my brother passed away probably about eight years ago. And, um, you know, that, you know, I'm in the middle. I don't want to get it. And what it is, it's a disease where you learn, your, you lose your motor abilities, especially your lower motor abilities to walk uh, at, at adolescence. So, you you know, you're kind of normal. And I remember, brother, for my example, my brother was going to run around and, you know, playing basketball, a real good player when he's 10, 11, 12, and all of a sudden he started stumbling around. I'd come back from college and I'd work on agility drills with him because I knew in the back of my mind what I was scared to death would happen, but I, I wasn't going to believe that. I was going to work on his movements and things like that to help him. And then I got that call from my mom. I talk about that in the book. My sister, who is, uh, you know, graduating from college, got two kids. Uh, actually, her, her one son, Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator at Washington State, and um, who's, my, who's my nephew. Um, and a great coach. And, I loved him as a yeah, coach. Doing, yeah, doing a great job. And uh, and so, you know, I I had a – my sister never complained ever, ever about anything, ever. And, you know, when I started whining because, you know, I was playing football and it's too hot outside and I don't want to go out and practice this <laughs> afternoon uh, or, you know, whining about all the things we can whine about, uh, you know, all of a sudden I'd reflect on my hero, which is my sister. And, uh, you know, then I was almost embarrassed and ashamed to be uh, worried about those things. So uh, anyway, I was, I, I you know, it had a profound effect on me and my family. You know, we still had a great family. My mom and dad were were great, and yeah, you know, I talk about that in the book. The other thing about the book is I have Nick Saban writes the forward to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, That's great. I think the forward's better. Than the forward's better in the book. Well, I, disagree, <laughs> so, I disagree, but it was a good forward. The no, book is I, great. I know, but I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But Nick, you know, Nick and I, you know, Nick is, uh, you know, a remarkable football coach, and you know, his his two who's two guys he leans on is uh, Don James and Bill Parcell. So that's two. Yeah, <laughs> that's two pretty good coaches to have have as your guys, and so. Uh, you know, very appreciative of him writing the forward to it. And uh, we're going to have some signings coming up here um, in St. Louis. And I'll get those to you guys as soon as I know the dates that they're going to be. We're going to have several of them at Barnes & Noble's locations and some others uh, in the end of November and the early part for Christmas presents and things like that. So um, we'll get that to you so you can get it out. Yeah, let us know. And uh, I, w- I will finish this book. Maybe we'll have you back on to kind of relive some of your early days. I, it, it I, is fascinating. Anyone you want me on. If you want me to analyze any football or analyze any teams or things like that let me know I'll, awesome. you know I'll probably get in a debate with you buddy yeah <laughs> I, I heard occasionally you you get in a debate with people ah, he... just a little bit usually it's me coach so that'll be good we'll have you on to uh to help me out sometimes you know what I've been just just as if Co- coach James was coach Pinkle's mentor I I have been my thought process has been shaped by coach Pinkle so we're going to agree on most things last thing coach I, I read in your book 
how many times you used to calculate when you were going to get mad and when you were going to – do you remember after yeah. the Texas game in 2000? It was at halftime of the Texas yeah. game. 2009, yeah. you came in and we were losing like 35 nothing at halftime. I mean, it was awful. And we didn't, we really, the, the way we played, we didn't belong on that field, even though I think we had better talent as we showed the next year uh, than we did. And you came in and you threw the trash can across, the, I mean, stuff everywhere. Was that calculated? Yes, it all calculated. <laughs> <laughs> we, we lost a Texas Tech uh, down at their place a couple, I mean, I forget. This is maybe we were building our program. And at the, and you know we lost another game. You know we're we're trying to learn and get better. We are, but we just lost another game. But I just felt like when I went to the locker room, uh, and this probably was 2004. I'm not sure when it was, but I I went in the locker room and I and I just flipped out. I was throwing chairs. I was screaming. <laughs> I was slam. They they probably thought I was going. I lost it. Okay, but it was all calculated because I wanted them to know how bad I hurt. You know, and the point to those guys, if you ain't hurting like me, we're yeah. not going to get better. Yeah. Okay? And so, you know, I'm always on the sideline. You know, I always told you, you know, I have my headset on. I run the game. You know, I told you all I'm not listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire on there. I'm really actually <laughs> talking to people and stuff and such. And I always was in control. And I told the team that. And you, you remember that. And oh, I yeah. told the team that with things crazy can be going on, but I got, you know, I'm not a cheerleader out there. I'm going to make sure that we get the right people in the field who are making the right calls and doing the right things. And the calculation of how you handle a player. I remember when we, when we lost it, we lost to Texas in 2003 or 2002 and we played them pretty good. I think it was 18. I think we lost by 18 points. And we, and, and when we came in the, the, from the stadium to our locker room, our fans were cheering us like almost like we won the game. And mm-hmm. I got in the locker room and I went berserk. I went, I went berserk. I went, when I, when I talked to the media, I did the same thing about our fans. We love you and love you, but you know, we're not going to be happy around here. You know, we're not passing out trophies and, and claps and hugs. You know, when we get beat, we had to, again, changing the culture, changing how you think. And, uh, yeah, those were all, most all of those were calculated. I got to tell you, it sure didn't feel calculated. And, uh, <laughs> I think that was, <laughs> that was probably the intent, but if, uh, well, my goodness, if, if you are that good at, at acting, you, you could have been just as good as an actor as you were as a, as a football coach. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I probably should have tried that. Yeah. That. <laughs> coach, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Coach. Okay, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. That's Gary Pinkle, and the book is The 100-Yard Journey of Life in Coaching and Battling for the Win, written with Dave Matter, the Post-Dispatch. So make sure you check that out. I'm, I'm 130 pages through it. And it is, uh, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to receive it a little bit differently because I lived part of it, but I'm not even to that portion yet. I'm just going through his life in the early days. And it is fascinating that, you know, there's some people that just have interesting stories and there are other people that kind of, you know, you're like, okay, they, they just kind of listen. <laughs> <laughs> but fascinating story with all the stuff. And, and it's amazing. And I, I don't know if I, I always think about this when I read autobiographies like this, I'm like, I can't remember anything that happened to me. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. he's got all these details, well, all he these things. He probably has a bunch of people he had to meet up with and go yeah. over different things. And yeah, some dude. people right. are good at taking notes and documenting their life as they do it. Um, and others aren't. Yeah, so but much, you, so. you you get everybody around that time period, and you get them together, and you kind of brainstorm what yeah. went down. And they tell you different things. And it's great. It. it really is. A, it's a great book. Breaking news: The Cardinals have made some additions to their coaching staff. Current third base coach Mike Schilt has been named the bench coach, and he is back. Jose Akendo mm-hmm. has been named the third base coach for the 2018 season. Also, former Cardinal Willie McGee has been named to the major Ooh, league Willie, coaching Willie. staff. After working as Hell a special yeah. assistant 
to the GM the last three years. So there he goes. Still wow. no, hey, you go. Still no shall coach, receive. I'll tell you, we'll talk we'll get into this in a minute. This is uh after the break. This is this is good to see for the for the Redbirds for sure. Uh Cam, tell us about Hans Wyman. Well I'm looking at uh the uh, text feed right now, Big Al sent in like 50 pictures of, I don't know what the hell he's doing, but he's definitely bald. So, I mean, if he wants to go in there and check out Hans Wyman, he's more than welcome to. But at this point in his life, I don't think it's necessary. Well, we can't, we can't rag him too much because I think what he did is he got the breast cancer symbol oh. in pink on the back of his head, which <laughs> is pretty cool. But no, you're right, good. he does need some more hair. Well, and, and, and half uh, of it's still downloading, too, so I see half of his head and the other half not, so I look like he was, like, painting. I don't know what the hell he's doing. But, again, if it's for a good cause, then so be it. Uh, my point is he's losing his hair. And it, a lot of people go through the same damn thing. I, I I went through it myself. And at a younger age, it's brutal. Now you have a, a an option here with Hans Wyman. Check it out. You get a call in today at 844-909-HANS. That's 844-909-HANS. Or visit them online at HansHairLoss.com. If you mention my name, you get $500 off that artist procedure. The only one around in 750-mile radius. Or $250 off that PRP procedure as well. Mention my name. That's what you get. Check it out. Hans Wyman. Hey, Cam, I got something for you. Oh, for uh, me and Kate. Kate. Run. The me and Kate. 590thefaninsidestl.com presenting Presence Float Center. Oh, yeah. At our, as our next listener rewards program, beginning Monday, Cam, October 30th, a week from today, you can float your stress away for 50% off a $49 gift card for one 75-minute float. That's $24.50. You can enjoy all the benefits, Cam, of floating. I was floating all weekend. What nah, are you this about? is different. This oh, is different. Okay. Once you step into the saltwater pod and get comfortable, the soothing music will free you from your mind and body. Returning you to a much calmer state. Is there room state. for a guest in there? Uh, that's a good question. I know. How big are these pods? Because we can get a little freaky here. My shoulders are wide. I hope they're <laughs> small and we still share. <laughs> Presence Float Center is perfect for anyone from everyday athletes looking to relax and heal their body to veterans and first responders dealing with PTSD. And yes, you. It's a substance-free answer, Cam, to everyday stress and depression. Oh, hell yeah. Every experience is different, but one thing... Nice rem- change. <laughs> Wait, what are you saying? It's substance-free? <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> Finally! Thank God! See, you found me. Oh, my it. God. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Uh, Kate's going to be happy. Oh. Every experience is different, but one thing that remains the same is the amount of satisfied clients that have never felt as relaxed as after a float. To take part in this offer, just log on to InsideSTL.com. <laughs> Okay, try so to you got this. messed up and went in there to defeat the purpose. Yes, okay. and click on the listener reward tab. Although we do need to find out how big are these pods? Can you take your lady friend? In I need dimensions. I need to know, and I need to know if John Hadley's been in mine. I'm going to get into because <laughs> if that's the case, I am not going near it. Uh, I think they cleaned the tub, so even his herpes, I, his herpes TJ, would TJ, not TJ, go. I don't care. To you. They're going to have to burn it. They're going to have to use some kind of <laughs> light it on fire. Light it on fire. Try to <laughs> save it. After that. <laughs> it's the hard line. Five ninety. The fan. One hundred five seven. HD two FM. And inside STL. Dot com.